Thank you. Well, let me just tell you a little bit about myself. Uh, about 26 years ago, maybe a little more, I was a surfer over here in Hermosa Beach. I was managing a surf shop called Competition Surf and Sport. And uh, while I was there, some guy came in and he started talking to me. He, uh, we made friends and one day he said, hey, you want to read the Bible? And I said, no. He said, good. And uh, I said, no, I think I'm okay. I, I went to Catholic uh, school. I think I'm doing good. And he said, fine. But in the surf shop, you know, I hope many of you know that um, people come in and just hang out. You know, you talk about waves, you talk about the surf, talk about different things. And so he'd keep on coming in. We just started making friends. And another, I don't know when, maybe a year later or less, he came back and said, hey, you want to read the Bible? And then I said, yeah. And uh, we started reading the Bible together. And it was just a very neat start to, uh, to learn about things of God. But one thing I did say to him, I said, if you, if you mess around with any of my saints, we're done. We're done talking. Because back then, my saint was St. Christopher, because he was the patron saint of surfers. But he told me, he said, he told me, he said, no, we'll just let the Bible do the speaking. And what's good, we'll, we'll keep it. And what's bad, we'll, we'll let go. And he said, and I said, that's fine. So we started reading it, and this guy is a great guy. He, uh, he really taught me what discipleship was all about. He would find me at places. He'd be looking for me. He'd per- be pursuing me. I'd be at a party with a beer in my hand, and he'd show up, and I'm like, oh, hey, Mark. I'd put my beer back. He'd, he wouldn't condemn me. He, wouldn't, he would just be my friend. And as, and as the Word of God got closer and closer in my heart, I started to change. I started to like reading the Bible. I started reading it every, every single day. I was telling my friends about it. Our little two-man Bible study turned into 40 people. I just, it was just a really neat time in my life. I was, I was um, going through such a great experience during that time. And so a year later, he said, hey, you want to go to my church? And I said, yeah, I want to go to your church. And he came here. This is where he went to church. But it took a year for me to get here. When I got here, it was the greatest thing. It was just a great thing. I remember... Over here, Zach was preaching, and he was giving the message, and he was giving the altar call, and I just felt my heart just pumping, pounding. Have you ever felt that? Do you remember that, those days? It was just pounding. And I just said, oh, God, man, I want to know you. And he called, he called people up, and I just got up out of my seat, walked up, and I just said, that's what I want to be. I want to know you. I want to follow you. I want to tell the world about you. I just I want to get to know more about you. So I went to Zach. Started talking to him about, about uh, becoming part of the church. I'm saying, yeah, Zach, I can, be a, I can be a preacher. I can do this. I can do that. Yeah, I can do all these things. He's like, um, hey, why don't you just start at the bottom? Why don't you just start doing little things? Show yourself faithful. Uh, get involved in ministry. And I said, okay. But I thought like I was going to become a pastor like right away. Like I was just going to get going. But it doesn't work that way, does it? You always got to start at the bottom. But I think it's a good thing. So I started getting involved in HCMI. I started doing classes. Um, I started doing Church on the Beach, we had a thing called Church on the Beach, where we'd go preach right on the uh, boardwalk there, the bike path. And, uh, and I just got more and more and more involved. Uh, I remember reading this one scripture, Mark 8.38, and I think all of you would know it. It says, if anyone, is, if anyone is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will be ashamed of him when he comes in the Father's glory with his holy angels. And I said, oh, wow, I want to be baptized now. I want to show the world to be baptized. So I want to do it in the summertime. I want to do it by the pier. I just want everyone to know. And I did that. I didn't want really people to go, oh, wow. But I just want God to see that I was his and that he was mine. And, and I just kept on going. Um, as a matter of fact, I used to work uh, for a time here. I was the steward supervisor. So I want to give a shout out to all the stewards. Stewards, you do a great job here. and Keep up the great work. Uh, after I worked at the surf shop, I started working for the Culver City Police Department. I became a, a jailer. I was, I was trying to get my career going. There I was. There I am. Yep, there I was. Uh, so uh, I was a jailer there. I was going to become a police officer. I was taking the test to go into the academy. And uh, I had a great time in the jail. It was just a great time. I was a young Christian. 
full of fervor. I want to tell people, oh, God, so I'd be, I'd be uh, fingerprinting these guys. They'd come in. Who knows what they're in for? I'd say, hey, man, you know, you need Jesus. Your life's a mess. What are you going to do with it? What's happening? They couldn't do with it, anything to me. I, it was in my jail. What could they do? But the cool thing is, there were quite a few people that would respond to what I said. And I remember walking down an aisle, guys bigger than myself, going to put them in their, in their little cell and crying. And I went, wow, this is really neat. I can make a difference. And it wasn't because I was forced to. It's just I was just so thankful. God, someone did something to me, and I wanted to help somebody else out. So one day I was at a party. It was a, a police party, and there was the chief over there. I'm like, hey, chief, how am I, how, how's my job doing? How am I doing? He's going, you're doing a good job, but, but just stop trying to save everybody. But I didn't stop. I didn't stop. I, I, I loved it. Um, as I was working, uh, right before I got into the police academy, I was number one on the list. Uh, I was getting ready to go in. And a friend of mine from O'Neill Wetsuit called me up. And he says, hey, you want to get back in the surf industry? And uh, it was a hard choice. But I, at the end, I said, yeah. That was where I started my life when I was 17. Um, I went to college for a year and a half. I said, what am I doing here? And uh, so I went to Australia because that was the surfing college. I wanted to be a surfer. So he called me back in with O'Neill, and I had a really good time uh, working there, spreading the word. I, went, I remember being on Rodeo Drive one time. We had this, this um, little store there, and um, these neat Jewish people were the owners. And I was just taught, in my conversation, I would just talk about Jesus. I, wasn't, I, I did my job right, so I didn't want to push anything, but I would say something. And I, I don't remember what I said, but next thing I get this call from my boss going, hey, Ron, you can't be preaching like that on the job. And I just went, oh, man, I felt kind of sad that something I said kind of offended them. Not sad that I, that, uh, about Jesus, but I offended them. But uh, I just said, you know what? I'm not going to stop. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to keep on going. I don't want to offend anybody, but I just want to let them know that Jesus is Christ. Yes or no? Yes. Right around that time, I met my, my beautiful well, she wasn't my, she was beautiful, but she wasn't my wife then. She was Sherry Jones. And she's right there. Yeah, she was, uh, she was the high school captain, uh, cheerleader. And uh, when I was in school, I didn't like cheerleaders, but God, he's a funny guy. And he introduced me to her. Because I was just a real small guy in high school, and all the cheerleaders were, oh, you're so cute. <laughs> and so I just went, oh, man, that's not, that's, that wasn't very nice. But I met her. She was working here. She was also involved in the, in the youth ministry. She was uh, involved in Mexico outreach. And uh, I just really liked her. I liked what, how she was, her quietness, um, pretty, all kinds of really neat things. And so I just started to uh, think about her all the time. I used to have a, I used to have a picture. Remember uh, the Hope Chapel um, albums? I used to have a picture, and I'd, like, look at it a lot. <laughs> there she was. And... Um, so I just, uh, I said, I want to get around, I want to get to know her better. So I, I heard that she learned, she knew how to speak Spanish, so I, and I didn't know how to speak any Spanish. And, and I said, hey, when we're around, we talk, hey, just talk to me in Spanish. Because I just, I just, uh, I thought that'd be the way to like, get closer to her, to, to, to see her more. And, and she did. I don't know if she knew what I was doing. Maybe she did. But uh, it was great. And so one day, oh, let me give you a scripture. This is a great scripture. It's uh, Proverbs 18.22. It says, He who finds a wife finds what is good and receives favor from the Lord. Amen, men? Amen. And uh, we went to Mexico Outreach one day. Went down to Tijuana, spent some time, worked down there. After the end of the day, her and I and another friend, we talked all night. It was an all-night talking. It was just a great thing. I was just getting to know her. Well, I guess she was getting to know me because she doesn't talk much and I, I do all the talking. But I was getting to know her just by, by being with her. And um, at the end, I go, you know what? I think, I think she's the one. So we get home. I write her a note. I say, hey, great time. Um, neat thing. I'm not sure exactly what I wrote. But at the very end, I put in symbol writing so she wouldn't understand it. I put your future husband. <laughs> and she didn't know what it meant. But when we got married, I, on the computer, I... Uh, I um, Turned it to another font, and she, she saw your future husband. So we started courting, and uh, she knew that I wanted 10 kids, and she knew I wanted to go to Mexico, and, and she uh, continued with me. 
And so we, uh, we talked about marriage. We talked about uh, my plans. We talked about that she wanted to do the same thing. And so we said, well, let's, let's court. And, you know, that's kind of a funny thing. I don't know how that stuff works, but it worked really good with her and I. And because my life before Christ was so into surfing and girls and all that stuff, um, I really wanted to do it right this time. So I said to her, hey, why don't we, um, before, if we ever get engaged, let's not hold hands. Let's just wait. And if we get engaged, let's hold hands. And, and let's not kiss until we get married, if God, God wants us to get married. So that's exactly what we did. It was cool. After six months, I was able to hold her hand. Because I felt like, why would I hold her hand if she's not mine? But when I made a promise to her, I said, you know what? I can hold her hand now. She, she, I made a commitment to her. And so we started holding hands. And uh, the day we got married was our first kiss. It was just really, really neat. And that's really helped my kids. Thank you very much. And that's, um, that's really helped my kids go, oh, yeah, there we are. That was her and I. She still looks the same. I don't know about me, though. But uh, my kids have really been blessed by that. It's, it's helped them to stay pure and good and to, and to like being around the opposite sex, but just having a really neat um, uh, relationship. So, so I'm really glad that God allowed me to do that. I never thought I'd ever be able to do that. But he's a, he's, he is powerful, and he's able to do great things in our lives. So one day... Sherry and I got married, and one day, Chris Cannon, who now works as pastor at um, Kings Harbor, he calls me up and says, hey, Ron, um, come down. I want to have a meeting with you. There's a guy that's doing missions and surfing in Mexico. And I went, wow, that's really cool. That's right down my alley. So we had a meeting, and I really liked it. And I said, wow, that, I can use that because I'm a surfer. I know, I know the surfing people. They need Jesus too. Hey, why not? So um, we decided to, to do it. I wrote a letter to the council. The council was in favor, and they said, yes, we'll send you. So it was six months in Mazatlan, Mexico, where we went to training. It was called Surfers for Missions International. And we went down there um, to learn about missions and to learn about God. Um, as, we were, as we were preparing, and, and thank God, as we were preparing, uh, she, became, she became pregnant. But something happened when she became pregnant. When she became pregnant, she started saying, oh, I don't know about this. I'm not sure if I really want to go. I mean, we're having a baby now. It's kind of crazy. And I'm like, hey, wait a second. You told me. You told me we're going to have 10 kids and go to Mexico. But she's like, oh, I don't know. I don't know. And I said, no, no, we're going to go see Zach about this one. <laughs> so we had a meeting with Zach. And I said, I said uh, hey, Zach. My, my wife, she doesn't want to go anymore. You know, she said she wanted to go. And he's like, hey, hold on, Ron, hold on, hold on. You know, of course, he had a lot more wisdom, and I was just some crazy young kid. And he said, you know what, just wait. Tell her, tell her, hey, if you don't want to go, well, wait. I will go when you go. And so, and so I said, oh, man, that's kind, of, that's kind of heavy. So I had to go home and think about that one. I mean, what am I going to do? But I had to think about it. I said, you know what, God, you're right. That is the right thing to do. So um, I don't know when. A couple of days later, I said, Sherry, we won't go if you don't want to go. And I really meant that. And she said later on, she said, as soon as I said that, she said, she felt like, yeah, I want to go now. <laughs> but that just showed me that girls are from Venus. <laughs> they are. <laughs> so a little, a little while longer, we, we went. We went down to Mexico. Uh, Emily was a year old when we went down there, so she became part of our, our, our missionary little thing um, for six months. What would you say, hon? In Mazatlan. Thank you. Thank you, coach. My, co- my, team, my kids have been coaching me all this week, trying to help me out. And uh, so it was six months. It was a great thing. And right at the end of the six months, someone said, hey, um, I want to pioneer work in Puerto Escondido, Mexico. It's to the surfers. It's a, it's a great surfing location. And so instead of the surfers coming, you going to the surfers, the surfers can come to you. And I said, that sounds good. So we decided to do that. We, uh, we came back here. I worked a little bit. Uh, I presented what I want to do to the council again. And the council said, yes, we will send you. And I said, great. This is great. So about, about that time, uh, Sarah came along. So Emily was two years old and Sarah was two months old. And we decided, you know what? Now's the time. 
So I got this old junk, junker four-door crew cab truck, this old 14-foot trailer. We packed up everything because I didn't know what was down in Mexico. So everything, I mean everything. I think I overloaded my truck and my trailer two tons more. I mean, I'm just kidding, but it was just everything. And uh, we looked like the Beverly Hillbillies. Let me show you what we looked like. That was us. <laughs> but that was really us. But it was great. It was just a great time in our lives. It was, we're just going on an adventure. We're going for Jesus. We're going to tell someone about him. We're going to change the world. And you know what? I don't know. I didn't know if I was or not, but that's, that's what we're going to do. And so we headed down. Puerto Escondido is seven days from here. It, t- it takes seven days. And in those days, the roads were really bad. I had this old clunker. Um, but we got there. We got there in, in seven days. We gave, um, a two-year commitment, and we've been there for 18 years. I'm just—I'm always wondering when that two-year commitment's going to end, but it hasn't ended yet. We got to the border. The border guys didn't know what to do with us. They had to take—they took all of our stuff out. We were there for I don't know how long, but in those days, it's like, yeah, suffering for Jesus. Let's do it. We had to—we had, to lit- had to put all the stuff back on there, and uh, we just kept on driving. And when we got down there, uh, it was late at night. I didn't know where to meet the guys that we were supposed to meet because down there, there wasn't faxes down there. There wasn't phones at that time with the guys. The phones were very hard to find back then. And I said, well, how are we going to find these guys? We're just going to show up and then, then what? So we get there. It's sundown. We're tired. We, uh, we, 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 we stroll up into a, a trailer park. And I look across the street and I go, oh, there's some food there. Let's just go get some food and we'll worry about tomorrow. So as soon as I walked in this, to this restaurant, there was this jovial-looking dude, guy, sorry, dude, is that okay to say? There he is. And he had on his shirt, Surfers for Missions International. I mean, I'm serious. That's exactly what happened. And I'm like, wow, God, look at that. And I felt like God was really leading us. It was so cool. And he knew exactly where we needed to go. The next day, we slept there, and he showed us, he showed us um, Rocky, who was, the, who was our partner back then. And uh, we were on our way. The next day... Um, the engine of my truck completely died, but we made it. We had nowhere else to go, so it was okay that it died. <laughs> Puerto Escondido, um, when we arrived, there was about 19,000 people. Now there's about 40,000 people. Can you see where um, Puerto is? It's at the very bottom there. At the very bottom of Mexico, can you see it? it says Oaxaca? And right there on the coast, that's Puerto Escondido. It's a great surfing location. There's waves up to 30, 40 feet. All the service, the best service of the world go there, and, uh, and we knew that. During, during the high season, like uh, Christmas and Easter, you'll get to over 100,000 people there. It just swells up. It's just a great, really neat location for, for tourism, for surfing, and for preaching, too. That's, that's what it looks like. So we started down there. We started building... Um, our base that you saw is called El Refugio. We said, okay, well, we got to have a base. And then we got to start meeting people. We had no, no contacts, no nothing. So we started meeting people, started meeting surfers, started inviting them to Bible study, to eat, just all the things that you'd want to do to just bring people in. And uh, it started getting uh, bigger. People would start coming to our Bible study. But we knew no Spanish back then. So we'd invite English surfers. And it worked out great. And one of our first uh, disciples, he was from England. His name is Steve Nowak. I think we have him up there. And I, I wrote here, I wrote here, he was a pot-smoking, tattooed surfer from Brighton, England. Kind of reminds me of Steve Sanchez. <laughs> Every service, they laugh like that. Why is that? What's so funny about that? So, but not because the pot-smoking or tattooed, it's because this guy just had a lot of fervor. He had a lot of fervor. He came to Christ very radically. Something major happened to his life. He showed up at our doors around 2 in the morning. He came to Christ. And from that day on, he did not, he would leave, but he'd come every day to El Refugio and he'd read his Bible. And he just started growing and growing and growing. And from there, he would just start going out on his own. He'd find these little churches. He'd say, hey, Ron, I'm going to go away for a couple weeks. I'm just going to help these guys out. his, His Spanish was so bad, but he was so stoked. And he would do it. He just was totally sold out for God. And he said, he'd go in the mountains and he said one day, hey, Ron, I'm on this bus and there was this guy with his sling in his hand. I went, yeah, 
I'm going to go pray for him. I went and prayed for him, you know, and I, I, don't know if, I don't know if he jerked it too much, but he like, he went, yeah, in the name of Jesus, be healed. He goes, he didn't get healed. But, and I don't know, I don't know if he made it worse, but he just was, he was, he was so excited about Jesus. And all he was doing was reading the word and doing what it said. That's exactly what he was doing. So he comes back up here. We got him into um, Calvary Chapel Bible School. He, he, he went through Bible school. He went back to Brighton, and he became a pastor. And now he's a pastor. He's not only a pastor today, but he, he preaches in Indonesia, and he preaches in Tunisia. And he'd write me and say, Ron, last week I, I preached to over 1,400 people. It was so great. And he hasn't stopped to this day. He hasn't stopped. He has, I think he has three beautiful kids, and his wife is from Russia. But he's, he's one of our first, uh, one of our first um, disciples. I'd like to read to you 1 Corinthians 9, 22 to 23. It says, To the weak I became weak to win the weak. I have become all things to all men, so that by all possible means I might save some. I do, I do all this for the sake of the gospel, that I might share in its blessings. We've always had a Bible study at El Refugio. And I consider myself more pastor evangelist, evangelist than pastor teacher. And I think I'm, I'm, I'm apt to teach. But what I really like doing is telling people about Jesus. It, it's easier for me to sit down and talk and have a smaller group. Right now, this is, I'm out of my league right now. So if you see me shaking, just pray for me. But that's really what I do. And so we have the Bible study, but I always try to find other ways to tell people about God. So I said, hey, how about a restaurant right on the beach? right in front of the waves. People will come in. I'll tell them about Jesus. We'll have Christian music. We'll have scriptures. You know, we won't sell alcohol. And that's what we did. It's called Aroma Divino. It means a divine aroma. It was right in the best spot in Porto. So here's my restaurant. And right there are 30-foot waves in front of us. We had everyone coming through our place. We had professionals. We had uh, international professionals, local professionals. We did surf outreaches. We did... We did soccer outreaches. Got the surf outreaches. We did soccer outreaches. We did mus- music outreaches. And one time, this one guy came in my, my place and he said, "Hey, do you know a guy named Ronnie Jones?" I said, "Oh, hi, I'm Ronnie." And uh, he he was from Mexico. He goes, "Oh, hi, I'm from Cuarto. And this guy turned out to be a very famous hip hop artist guy. And he goes, "Yeah, um, I was doing this and 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 doing this music, but all of a sudden, God totally saved me." But I still do music, but now it's for God before it's for the world. And uh, I said, oh, let's do a concert. So we did a concert, and every surfer, I, knew, I had nothing, I, I, knew, I didn't know him at all, but everyone knew of him. So they came to see our concert. It was really neat. And uh, he left, but he came back not too much later, and he made this really cool um, music video that was on, you know, all the, not MTV, but the MTV for Spanish. And in this music video, it was about God in Porto. And, he, and in that video, we were there, in there, Aroma Divino. And, and he would mention us. And it was just a really cool time. Aroma just uh, did a lot of things. I believe um, God was glorified. Uh, one thing I want to mention here is, and, and, and you're going to laugh, and you're not going to believe me. Okay, but then, then, then you're going against my character. You're, call, you're, gonna, you're calling me that. But we, we brought burritos down to, to, to Porto. Do you believe me? Burritos. We bought burritos down. Most people think that Mexico, there's burritos. Well, there's no burritos down there. And we brought them down. Yeah, you, exactly. That's what most people say. There was nothing, no such thing as burritos. So I had to have people up here fly me down flour tortillas until we learned how to make it. But my, and my friend that was here last night, he was one of them. So he can vouch. He's not here right now. But later on, maybe he'll come and you can ask him. But it was, it was great. We, we, uh, we had 6 to 14 employees. We had f- over 57 nations come through our doors. Like I said, uh, Porto is, is everyone from everywhere come. A lot of Israelis. I got some great conversations from people from Israel. And when they're out of their country, they are open to hear about God. And, and if you, I don't know if you know this. A lot of Israelis, most of them are secular. They're not really sure what's going on. And so I was able to tell them about God, tell them about just all kinds of neat things. And like, they would listen. It was just a really good time. It was a good time. But at the same time, um, at the very end, there was a lot of pressure on me. And I, I actually went through a big depression through this. The, the pressures of money, 
the pressures of the local, the local environment, the servers were very hostile in a lot of ways, not towards me, but to different employees. Um, I, every, every, it seemed like every other month, the landlord was raising my rent. So I, it just became very heavy on me. And I just went through a very deep depression. And I've never been a depressed kind of guy. And I just found myself waking up in the morning, not knowing what to do. And usually I, I know exactly what I want to do and when I want to do it and where I want to do it. And these days, it was just get up in the morning, kind of think, and then go back to bed. And I don't know if any of you have ever experienced that, but it was just a very, very uh, hard time for me. I remember talking to God and saying, God, you know, what's going on? What, what am I doing wrong? Am I in some big sin? Am I doing this? Am I doing that? And, and I, I just didn't understand why, why me, what was happening. And I, I remember him saying to me, the way God speaks, he said, hey, Ron, um, remember a long time ago when you said to me, do whatever it takes to make you like me? Remember that? And I said, oh, yeah, I remember that. He says, that's all I'm doing. I'm just making you like me. And I just, I started understanding that. And I started reading the scripture that Jesus learned obedience through suffering. Isn't that true? And I said, oh, well, then God do it. Do whatever it takes. And I said to myself, I can either go better or either go bitter. And I said, I'm going to go better. And I got really close to God. And I was really thankful, not during that time, but afterwards. I remember worshiping God one day and saying, God, about a year and a half later, oh, thank you. I feel so much better. My, my, my mind is clear. I can, I can see. I know what I want to do. And I remember him saying to me again, hey, Ron, that's what he calls me, Ron. <laughs> hey, Ron, um, would you do that again for me? And I, and I thought about it. And I said, yeah, I would. I would. But just give me a time of peace. And he did. And I just had this really neat time of peace. Even a guy that didn't know me said to me as, as he was praying for me, he said, God will increase your, what's it called, tent pegs? And, and he didn't know me for Adam. And I just, I just hid that in my heart. And I see now that that's exactly what God did. Two scriptures I'd like to go over with you really quick. And uh, it's 1 Corinthians 9, 22, 23. I'm sorry, 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 1, 3 and 4. It says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the, fa- and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in our troubles, in all our troubles, so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. Let me uh, read one more. Hebrews twelve seven to 11. Endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as sons. For what son is not disciplined by his father? If you are not disciplined and everyone undergoes discipline, then you are illegitimate children and not true sons. Moreover, we have all had human fathers who disciplined, disciplined us and we respected them for it. How much more should we submit to the father of our spirits and live? Our fathers disciplined us for a little while as they thought best, but God disciplines us for our good that we may share in his holiness. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained up by it. And that's what I learned. I learned to be compassionate and to understand people when they go through hard times. Because back then I was like, hey, stiff upper lip. Jesus loves you. Just get on with it. Really? <laughs> but that's what my dad used to do. My dad's so positive, I used to get mad at him because he was just positive all the time. But now I learned that compassion. Now I can understand when someone's going through a hard time to listen, to, to use scripture, but not just blast them, but just understand, maybe say nothing. You know, but I also understand that it's discipline. God disciplines his children. And it comes in many forms, doesn't it? But I learned that he, doesn't, he didn't hate me. He didn't do anything that he didn't do to his son. He loved his son. He loved him so much. And he loves me. And he loves you. Doesn't he? So after uh, I felt better, God started changing my focus. So I went from surf to soccer. And really, down in Mexico, it's a great thing. Because soccer is the biggest sport in all the world. Who likes soccer here? That's great. Now, in Mexico, everybody would have their hands up and probably jumping. 
because it's so big. It's so great. You grow up doing soccer. They're playing soccer here. They're playing soccer there. They're playing soccer everywhere. And I said, wow, I can just reach these guys. So we said, let's, let's, let's start doing more, more soccer. And so I started playing soccer. So one day, some guy invited me to play soccer. I was 30-something. I hadn't played for 13, 15 years. And uh, I said, okay, I'll play. And I played it. And I went, wow, why did I ever leave this? It's so, it's, it was so fun. Fast pace, camaraderie, laughing. You know, you get to push someone around a little bit if you want to, but wholly pushing. And I just said, wow, this is a great time. And, and uh, I said, but one thing I'm not going to do, I'm not going to wear those funny plastic jerseys that they have and those girly type of shorts. And he said, nah, not me. And so I just would go with my board shorts. I'd wear a, a T-shirt. And, uh, but later on, some guy said, hey, you want to play on our team? And I had to bite the bullet. I had to swallow my, my, my pride, and I had to wear those things. And they looked so funny at the beginning. But now I wear them all the time. Right, Jesse? So I just started seeing that, uh, that, I, that I can reach them for soccer. You know, most people in Mexico don't really go to church. A lot of people are religious people. They respect God, but they really have no knowledge. And everyone plays on Sunday and Saturdays. So I was able to go during those days, and those days are really their church. I mean, that's their congregation. That's where they go. And I was able to go to them and tell them about Jesus, and, and they were able to listen. I, and even now, when I play, sometimes... Uh, We'll go to this place over here, and they'll say, Hey, Ron, hey, take John, because John needs to hear some God stuff right now. And I say, Okay, you come too. No, no, I'm okay right now. Maybe next week. But it's so neat, because they know, they know me. They respect me. When they have problems, they come to me. And little by little, little by little, they start to know about God. And let me tell you about one guy. One of my first uh, soccer converts, his name was Gustavo. There he is right there. And his wife is right next to him. And uh, he was a soccer guy. He played really good. We became friends. We started hanging around. I'd ask him soccer questions because I really forgot about soccer. He'd ask me things about God. And I'd always invite him to our Bible study. And in Mexico, because people don't like uh, losing face, everyone pretty much will say yes. Hey, want to come tomorrow? Yes. That doesn't mean they're coming. They just will say yes. (laughs) So I I would ask him every week, hey, want to come to Bible study? Yeah, yeah. And I'd be like waiting. And then afterwards, you know, I just knew he's not coming. He's not coming. But I would never, I'd never stop inviting him. But one day, I don't know how much longer, one day his wife shows up. And I went, oh, that's really cool. Because in Mexico too, the wife sometimes doesn't do things without the man's authority, permission. And uh, so, so uh, I knew, I said, she's here. That means he sent her. So she's like checking things out right now. So she started getting really involved. She came to Christ. Her life was being changed. And a little while longer, he shows up. And he never stopped coming. And he went to Bible school. We put him through Bible school. And he went to Tunisia for three months on a mission outreach. And to this day, his kids grew up knowing God. And it's just a really blessing that what God can do. Um, and even, even playing soccer. It's amazing that God wants to be involved in every part of everyone's life. Amen or no? So what we do today is that's what we do. Um, thankfully, God provided us um, funds, resources, and we bought six acres out there. And we said, let's just make a soccer field, and they will come. Wasn't that a movie? And uh, one of my friends calls it the field of dreams because that's what we just started doing. We, we, started, we made a field, and you, and you saw the field in the, in the slideshow. And we started a, a, a soccer team, and our soccer team had like five guys at first. I think we have it up there. That was it. It was... It was uh, mostly my kids and a couple of the Colonia kids. And that's where we went. And now, and now we have a little bit more. And so we have about six, six teams, maybe 80 people. Um, right now we just do from uh, 13 up to 19. But uh, we have a great time. These guys come. We, I have them for, for either four to five days a week. It's like a youth group almost every day of the week. They come for about two hours. We talk about God. We talk about soccer. And we just do things right. And I get, I get to teach them so many fundamental things about living. And in Mexico, a lot of times, most kids don't have many fathers. They have fathers, but they're not around. And, and it's just it's a sad thing. So I get to help them understand through soccer how to, how to grow up and be, and be, 
be a man. And uh, I, I send this thing home to their, to, their, to their parents. And it's an application form. And it says, we, not only do we teach soccer, but we teach uh, the Bible and biblical principles. And I've never had a parent say no. They've always said, yeah, go right ahead. Even, I even have fathers say, or mothers say, hey, um, if he gets out of line, you know what to do. And they just, they just give you permission down there. It's really neat in Mexico. When you are seen in a role, a leadership role, they really, they really trust you. And you really got to make sure that you don't, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Abuse the trust that they give you. They really do. They call me Don Ron. I'm serious. It's, it's Don, Don Ronnie. That's what they call me down there. And at first I'm going, Don Ron, I don't got this million acres and a castle. Because I used to thought that's what they had, like millions of horses. He said, no, no, it's just a sign of respect. So I said, okay, call it, call it to me. It kind of sounds neat. <laughs> Most of these kids are unchurched kids. So when we start, we teach them about praying. Very fundamental. They're like, I don't know how to pray. Well, we teach them how. By the end, end of the school year or end of the, the soccer season, they know how to pray. Um, as time goes on, as time goes on, um, these kids start coming to the Lord. And they know I have a Bible study, but I don't make it mandatory. I don't want to push anything on them. I just want to be with them. And after that, they start coming. So right now, uh, one, one day, uh, 20 of them came up or, or less, and they said, hey, Ron, uh, we want to, because they started coming to our Bible study, and they said, hey, Ron, we want to start our own Bible study. Can we? I said, yeah. Man, that's so cool. So they meet on Fridays, just kids. They're not pastors. They're not preachers. They're just reading the Bible, and they read it, and they talk about it, and they, they call it V7, Viernes Siete, because they, they do it on Friday. And in October, when I was up here, uh, one of the kids wrote me, about, about 10 wrote me on my Facebook. You know, fa- Facebook is pretty cool especially when you live way down there because you get to keep up with everybody. But this guy wrote me. He wrote me a little letter and he said, Good morning, Ronnie. The truth is we miss you and your family. You are a great person and I admire you a lot. You are like my second father. Thank you for bringing the gospel of our Lord to me and not only to me, I think, but many more. In reality, you are someone very important for all of us. May God continue to greatly bless you as well as you, your family, and may he keep you on their path. On his path. Isn't that neat? Man, that makes me feel good. I say to myself, that's all I need, God. Take me now. It just feels so good when someone hears something and listens, and then they respond later on. And, and these little words of encouragement, it, it just uh, it helps me keep on going. This year, too, um, high school came up to me, and they asked me to volunteer my time and to coach the high school soccer team. Great opportunity. I said, yes, but I, but I teach soccer, but I also teach about God. And they said, that's fine. And we did, and we became champs this year. We, it was just a great, great year. Yeah, there, there it is, champion. And, and it, it was great. And the teachers were all for it. They're all for it. The, the two teachers that helped me, one is in charge of the teachers and one in charge of the students. And when I was ready to leave up here, they were going to take over. And one of the teachers said, okay, let's do what Ronnie does. Okay, everyone get around and let's, and let's pray. So, that, so he doesn't know. He, he's just copying me. He's just, he's just starting. But I went, wow, God. They're listening. They're hearing. They want to do it. And so, and he prays, and, 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 uh, and I hope they're still doing it. When I get back, I'll, I'll yell, yell at them if they're not. But I think they are, because they saw that it was something very important in their lives. And maybe they were seeing it like, because it made us win, but that's not, that's not really what it is. But, but, but closer, more time with him, he will, he, will, he will know Christ too. His wife is going to church now. I want to talk about uh, one of my closest friends down there. His name is Gabi. I think we have his picture. There he is. Um, one day, um, meet this kid. We're getting ready to go to the beach to go hang out. We go down. I don't know how big the group was. Uh, we go down with him. He's the far left guy. He might have been maybe 18 years at that time. No, maybe less. And we, we go down there and he, and he uh, had a great time. We come back and, and I said, hey, um, I knew him. I knew where he's from. I knew he was homeless. And I said, hey, uh, do you have a place to stay? He goes, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, I have a place to stay. Yeah, I live up in the center of town. I said, oh, okay. I said, hey, do you have a place to stay? He goes, oh, yeah, I got a place to stay. Yeah, I got a place to stay. It's up in town. I said, hey, hey, do you have a place to stay? He goes, no. <laughs> no. 
I said, well, then you can, then, then you can stay at El Refugio as long as you want. And he, he started living in El Refugio. He, he, he um, ended up um, his high school. He, he went back to high school, graduated, um, got, got converted. He married a girl from our Bible study. And they're a great family. They have three kids. He homeless, went from homeless to buying a house and being productive. He has a little hot dog hamburger stand. You know, he's a jovial guy. He's a really neat guy. He's my second-hand man in the soccer. So he does the girls, and I, I do the guys. Uh, with him, we have won, I don't know how many championships with him. He, he didn't know nothing about soccer. I mean, it's about coaching. Everyone made fun of him. Ah, oh, you don't know nothing. You don't know nothing. And after, you know, four or five championships, aren't they going to believe him yet? <laughs> he's a great guy. His name is Gabi. Veronica Joksan Gadi and his new one. What's the new girl's name? Mirari. Yeah. Great, a great family. I think, how many more minutes, Zach? Five? Five minutes, okay. Well, I just want to go now and just tell you why I, I do what I do. Let's turn to Luke 7, 36 through 50. I'm going to try to do it f- fast, but I want you, please, to, to read with me so we can understand this. This is one of my most important um, passages of scriptures. It says, Now one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him. So he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. When a woman had, who had lived a sinful life in that town learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house, she brought an alabaster jar of perfume. And as she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. When the Pharisees who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet... He would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. Two men owed money to a certain money lender. One owed him 500 denarii, the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back, so he canceled the debts of both. Now, which of them will love him more? Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt canceled. You have judged rightly, Jesus said. Then he turned toward the woman and said to Simon. Listen to what he said. Then he turned toward the woman and said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven." She, for she loved much. But he who has been forgiven, little, loves little. Then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. The other guests began to say amongst themselves, who is, who is this who even forgives sin? Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Why do I do what I do? Because I feel that I have been forgiven much. He who has been forgiven much, will love much. And so I ask you, how do you feel? How do you feel? How has God spoken to you? Have you, do you feel that you have been forgiven much? Yes. Because when we know that, when we understand that, when we see that, when we, when we grasp what God has really done in our lives, you know, when we get away from the day-to-day stuff and we sit down and we just think about, you know what, man, Stuff in my mind, people that can't read, God can read. Or stuff that maybe I've done in the past, God knows. And he still wants to love me. He still wants to be with me. He still wants to take me to a place where he says, it's streets lined with gold. Isn't that cool? And so, and so as I understand that more and more, and you, do you know, I, I'm sure a lot of you guys can agree with me, the more I know Christ, the more I really see how a sinner I really am. It's the closer I get, it seems like, I feel like, oh, gosh. But I think it's not because he wants me to feel like, like that. I think we just start realizing how great of a God he is and what a great price. The price that he paid for us is, is immense. And so that's how I feel. That's why I do what I do. Because I just feel that what he did for me, I wasn't looking for him. I was not looking for God. I was not looking for him. And he pursued me. Like I was pursuing my wife. You know, looking for her, find her. That's what God did to me. Do you, do you guys feel that? Do you guys feel that? 
Yeah, that's what I feel. I, I didn't like wake up and say, oh, I want to just know you, God. No, it just, God said, no, I want to know you. And now you know me. And I can't wait. I can't wait till he comes. I mean, we've been through a lot of stuff down there. And I'm sure many of you, most of you, all of you have gone through a lot. And I, I just want to um, read just some of the things that I wrote down the other day. Um, I'm not complaining. I'm just telling you, this is little things that I've gone through. We've gone through sickness. I've had dengue a couple times. We've had hepatitis together. Family thing. It's a family thing. Uh, chicken pox. That was a fun family thing. Gone through depression. Threats. Being Living down there. I had one guy say, uh, when I was playing a soccer game, he said, yeah, you know, I'm going to kill you with a machete. And I went, I, after uh, halftime, I went to him. I said, well, if you're going to kill me with a machete, take seven, because I want to get to heaven as, as soon as possible. And he said, oh, that's cool. You're a brave guy. So it was really good. He was like my friend afterwards. <laughs> We've gone through major earthquakes down there. We've gone through uh, two massive hurricanes down there. We've gone through abandonment. We live by faith. Uh, pressures of having a big family. Uh, living, our, 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 um, living. We, we lived in like little boxes that were like ovens. It's so, because it's, it's hot down there. We've lived in huts. We've had at nighttime, you know, we're getting ready to go to bed and we're just seeing all these rats going through our rafters. Uh, we had no, no, no running water. We lived four and a half years without electricity. It really is, it really was a great time. But I'm just saying, I went through a lot. I went through a lot. The down times and the hard times, they're, they're hard. But what I'm trying to say is, I can't wait to see Jesus. If he came back today, it would be the best thing ever. I always tell my kids, you know what? I, this is what I asked God. I said, God, um, if you're going to take us, take us all at once. Or we just want to live until you get back. So I, it's, just, it's his hope through all these things, through life, through, to, through just understanding what he's done for me. My hope for heaven is just, is just uh, grand. I can't wait. You know, it's going to be so great. If he comes today, it's going to be great. He's, he's going to make all, everything new. No pain, no sadness, no sinning. I'm not going to sin anymore. Who does not want to sin anymore? Raise your hand. Yeah, we're not going to be doing that anymore. We're going to love one another. We're going to love each other. I mean, it's just going to be a great day. If he comes a day, bring it on. I'd like to end with this, this last scripture. First, let's, can we all stand up? Let's, just, let's read it together. You know, God's present here right now, isn't he? He's here right now with us. He's here right now. Let's go to um, Psalm 34, 1 through 10. Make this, let's make this your prayer, because I believe it, it is your prayer. I believe you, you believe the same way as I do. It says here, it says, I will extol the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. My soul will boast in the Lord. Let the afflicted hear. Let the afflicted hear and rejoice. Glorify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to him are radiant their faces are never covered with shame. The poor man called, and the Lord heard him. He saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him, and he delivers them. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Fear the Lord, you saints, for those who fear him lack nothing. The, lion may, the lions may grow, Weak and hungry, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. Amen? Let's just pray. <clears throat> Father, um, thank you for your presence. Thank you for being here. Thank you for this honor that you've given me to speak. Thank you for each life here how precious they are in your sight. You cannot wait to see us. You cannot wait to see us. And we cannot wait to see you. And we see all the things that are happening in this world. Man, and if you don't come soon, 
I don't know when, but it doesn't matter. I will wait for you. I will wait for you. Lord, tonight I just ask, because it's you who wants to save, and it's us who, who plant and water, but it's you who wants to save. So tonight, Lord God, today I'm sorry. Heal people, Lord. Heal. In the name of Jesus, Lord, I ask you, and I, I ask you this every day, in the name of Jesus, heal Julie 100%. Stretch out your mighty, beautiful, great right arm and heal. Let your great things, those things that we heard of old, be done today. And Lord, also forgive people today. Forgive them. People, Lord, people that have done stuff that, that maybe they're here and they've never asked for forgiveness. I remember my first time here, Lord. I remember my first time listening about you. It was so different. I've never heard it. But when I heard your words, I saw life. I felt life. My soul leaped. And so, Lord, forgive today and heal today and save today. Thank you for this church. Thank you so much, Lord, that, that um, so many years ago they believed in us and they sent us. Thank you for that. Thank you for the people here. Bless them. Allow them to have a great day today because maybe you might be back tomorrow. So today, let them have a great day. And Lord, allow us to see more and more what you've truly done for us. I, I want to continue and help all of us to continue more and more to understand what you've done for us and so that we can love you more. In the name of Jesus, our Messiah, who's coming very soon, amen. Thank you very much, guys. Have a great day.